0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Hey, this is Megan Rapino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts.
0: Hey everybody, it's good old J.R. Jim Ross, the voice of A.E.W.
1: Wrestling. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CVV Chris Fansley. This is Liam Rock, author of Crazy Like a Fox. TCO, the French Canadian Frankenstein.
2: Hey, this is your Olympic Hero Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true.
0: We're going to have one hell of a podcast.
1: What's going on, guys? It is episode 144 of Top Rope Nation, uh, AEW's Double or Nothing in the books Saturday evening. It is Sunday afternoon. It is myself, Ryan Drosty, Kyle Ross, and Justin Joint here to break down the show for you, give you our takes on what went down at uh, what I, guys, I think I'm going to have to call the best pay-per-view of the empty arena era. When you look at what AEW and uh, WWE have done so far, Uh, Kyle, let me just throw it to you. First of all, did you like the show and what are your initial takes as far as how this compares to uh, what WWE has done so far? Yeah, it's kind of a uh, small pool, I suppose,
0: for (laughs) best show of this uh, kind of COVID-19 era. I would agree with you. I think it was the best um, of what? There's only been three Right, money in the right, bank yeah. and WrestleMania—the only ones WWE would have done. So yeah, I, this was better than either of those shows. Um, now, interesting—we should probably grade AEW on a higher curve based on the fact their pay-per-views are quarterly. Mm-hmm. So true, you know. Although WrestleMania is included in this discussion, um, and besting that, I think is certainly impressive. Uh, AEW pay-per-views do have a high bar, and you know, despite the fact this didn't have that—the live crowd, which is always a negative. It was still a very fun show, and I don't need to tell you guys that this week was kind of a shitty one in the wrestling community. Mm. Lots of bad news. And for three-plus hours, this kind of was
1: a uh, respite from that. Absolutely. Justin Joint, your initial thoughts on on, on uh, how much you enjoyed the show and how it compares. Well, uh,
2: first of all, I just want to say, I mean, if you guys think for one second that just because it is early afternoon on a Sunday that I'm not going to crack open a beer.
1: Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Trademark baby I love it.
2: Uh yeah, it was it was really good. Um part of me kind of wonders how it would be perceived if there was actually nobody in the audience. Um cuz it's really weird just how even what like a dozen, you know, people outside chanting mm-hmm. uh brings to a match. It it adds a lot. Um and even just piping in some of the stuff is is totally fine with me. Uh, but yeah, having said that, um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I think there was minimal filler um, and totally agree with Kyle. You definitely got grade to it, grade it on a curve because, you know, they're spending three months building to this, whereas WWE is spending, what, like four weeks
1: Well, <laughs> five minutes. minutes. Yeah, very <laughs> yeah. true. <laughs> I think one of the things, though, that just put it over the top for me is how good they are doing. We've talked about this a lot on the show, but how good they're doing with the production. You know, uh Justin, you mentioned the the people out there making noise. They have figured out to a science how to mic those people perfectly. I mean, it sounds comparable to watching a show with, you know, 10,000 people on Wednesday Night Dynamite before all this started. I'm not going to lie. Like just there's no dead air. Um As far as like now, obviously, when the big moves happen, it doesn't sound like there's 10,000 people there. But, you know, like the the background noise as the match is ongoing, like it sounds it sounds very similar. It just sounds more engaging. Uh, You compare this to WWE, where I feel like their shows just have I mean, it's just dead silence. There's no atmosphere whatsoever. And then you consider the the uh, stage setup that AEW had for the show. Compare that to. Wrestlemania, you know, AEW had, uh well, they had like poker tables, they had a roulette table, they had slot machines, you know, like everything about this venue, it just felt more like a pay per view. And, you know, they did a few things different at Wrestlemania in the performance center with the big Wrestlemania sign and whatnot. But overall, like it was pretty similar what they've been doing on Raw and Smackdown. And this definitely felt like something a little more special uh, than your average dynamite that they have held in the same venue. And I just think it's pretty remarkable that a company that's been around for a uh, one year now, you know, this is their one year anniversary show, can outdo a company that has so many more people working for it that's been around for decades when it comes to putting on these shows. I mean they've they've risen to the challenge and uh I think heads, you know, heads and shoulders, they're they're beating WWE in this regard.
2: Well and would you agree that uh Having it in a, in a much bigger venue than the performance center probably adds something to it too.
1: That definitely helps for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think Big Swole deserves a lot of credit uh, mm-hmm. as being the most energetic uh, audience member there was on the show. And uh, you know what was interesting to me is you can say, well, how would this show have translated? In front of a normal wrestling crowd. Well, what's interesting about that debate and thought process is you wouldn't have had the stadium stampede. Yeah. Had that been the case. So that's kind of this interesting. You can't just say, oh, well, you know, imagine if this show is in front of a regular AEW crowd. Well, the main event would have been a totally different scenario.
1: hmm Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I do have to say, I want to rewind a sec because I've been thinking about that, you know, the venues, the Performance Center versus this big amphitheater. I think there's also challenges, though, because, you know, a bigger venue, it, it's actually harder to produce that noise, but the way they're they're miking the crowd helps out. So I mean, they do have more space to, you know, the surrounding stuff. They have the bigger stage, a much taller stage than WWE has, but... Yeah, I'd, I'd agree, Justin. It is probably more of a positive for him, but I think it does have its challenges too. And I, WWE has been very resistant to change anything that they've done with their tape. we talked about it for a couple of weeks before they finally moved the hard cam to opposite the entranceway, you know, before they got rid of the empty chairs surrounding the, uh, the venue. Now, AEW actually does have empty chairs, but they're far in the distance. You know, those are built in, they can't move those. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, but I think AEW definitely is uh, rising to the occasion. Well, WWE thinks it does its television perfectly, which is a problem yes. because they don't.
0: Exactly. The The other big takeaway I had from the show when it was over, this was a heavy baby faces go over show, which is kind of unique in modern wrestling. You don't get that a lot. Yeah. And I think that added to the enjoyment level. You can't do that on every show, but, you know, just sort of going back to what I said earlier about this was kind of a three hour respite from what was a really crappy week of wrestling for the wrestling community. I think that was a good idea to do that. Make this baby faces go over heavy.
1: It was kind of just a feel good show all around. You know, it made you laugh as we're going to get to here in a moment, Uh, had some good matches. And like, I think Justin said, there really wasn't much filler. It was, it was a long, longer show than I would have liked. But You know, it almost felt like it almost had to be that long. There was one point I think they could have cut, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but overall, I mean, they got in what they needed to, and uh, it was a pretty easy watch all around, I think. We were all watching it together and texting throughout, and I think we all enjoyed ourselves there, so a lot of positives to talk about. Yeah, and I think the flip side, though, because I also thought it was just a hair long.
0: It wasn't ridiculously long, obviously, by any stretch, Um, but they're thinking as well, we are charging people fifty dollars. Yes. And it's an empty arena show. So I think from the promotions viewpoint, they're like, well, we we don't want this show to be too short. They'd almost probably rather it be too long. I mean, I don't have any insight. I don't know if this is their mentality, but I'm guessing it is that we would almost rather give
1: them too much than be accused of giving the audience too little. Yeah. That's a great point. You gotta get your fifty dollars worth for sure. So, yeah, that makes sense from their perspective. So we are going to talk. uh, I think we're going to start off with Stadium Stampede. But before we get to that, a couple house housekeeping items, of course. We're members of the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. We'd love it for you guys to check out the whole family over at BlueWirePods.com for all of your podcasting needs, uh, whether it's sports, movies, entertainment. They have the show for you. Also, while you're at it, If you are not subscribed, please hit that subscribe button wherever you're getting your podcast from. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. Hit us up with five stars, and uh, it goes a long way towards helping us with our ranking on the different podcasting platforms. If you really want to support the show, you can also check out patreon.com slash nation. For details on how to, how you can get a free Top Rope Nation t-shirt, if you sign up for our Patreon page before the end of May, you got about one week to do that, sign up before May 31st, five bucks a month, gets you all the bonus content and a free t-shirt from Pro Wrestling Tees in the mail. And guys, we actually did have a new written review come in this week, so as, as we Whoa. always do, if you leave a written review on uh, any of the platforms, whether it's Stitcher, whether it's Apple... We will read them on the air. So let me pull these up right now. So we got the five stars coming in from Jerome Cookin on Wednesday. He says, the best. These guys keep it real. Thank you, Jerome, for the review there and we also got a review on stitcher it says our family's main source of wrestling news this podcast is our go-to resource for a fan's perspective on the latest news in the world of pro wrestling top rope nation thanks for raw dog 321 for leaving us that review on stitcher so guys leave us a written review we will read it on the air moving forward and as you can tell, we're perfect for the dinner table. There you the whole go. Family. <laughs> if your family likes pro wrestling, there's no better source than Top Rope Nation. You know, we're pretty family appropriate. I do have the explicit warning on our show because once oh, in a while okay. there's a couple swears, but uh, not, not too much. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't, uh, I don't take the time to comb through in the editing process and bleep out all of the swear words. Sometimes Kyle goes on a rant and I just leave them in there. But overall, we're pretty family appropriate I would say guys Uh, so the stadium stampede we look at this match it was pre-taped reportedly on Friday night Um, this is pretty much what garnered most of the headlines after the show I mean it, it may have ended but it had just so many memorable moments I think throughout and you can compare this to what wwe did we were we were comparing with wwe a minute ago as far as uh what they've done with their pre-tapes whether it's you know the graveyard match whether it's what they did with cena and wyatt in the firefly funhouse or of course the money in the bank match uh where does this one rank in comparison for you mr justin joint
2: um i'd say it wasn't really a match but my favorite was still the firefly funhouse match um but as far as like when there's actually action going, I, I think this is pretty easily number one. Uh, the Boneyard match was excellent, uh, but it wasn't quite as fun. And with the the, stamp, the stadium stampede match, you're going to you come out of it with a lot of moments that you're probably going to think about, you know, for the rest of your wrestling days. Um, so, yeah, those three, you know, rank far and beyond the Money in the Bank and the Ciampa Gargano, which uh, both those are uh, borderline unwatchable.
1: Oof!
0: Yes, Kyle. Yeah, I think when we reviewed the Money in the Bank matches, we kept putting air quotes around the word comedy. Did we not, Ryan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this was something that was enjoyable. What attempted to be comedic often worked. Matt Hardy might have been the only exception, but this is something that I wouldn't have been embarrassed had someone walked in the room, obviously there were certainly parts of that Muddy in the bank where I was like, Oh, you know, you start looking around and like, Oh, please tell me my wife's not standing behind me right now. <laughs> and, uh, I'll use these dirty words for you. Attitude era esque is kind of what I was thinking watching this match. This is something that you would have seen. I think during that era where it's like a fun
1: match designed to entertain Yes. Am I
0: off base with that?
1: No, I I would agree. Yeah. I mean, it's not like your five star masterpiece, nor could it be, you know, given the environment or anything. But yeah, it was just enjoyable and entertaining, I think.
2: Yeah. And it's that's it's kind of funny, especially when you compare it to Money in the Bank. um, Both of those matches, I think we're trying to find that middle ground between taking it seriously while having fun, because obviously you have the Boneyard match, which they took very seriously. Uh, and then with the Firefly Funhouse, you know, that was more just for fun. Um, this one struck the appropriate balance, whereas Money in the Bank failed to
1: do that. Mm, yeah, big time. I I don't think it's even close. This was so much better than Money in the Bank. I think for me, my, my favorites would be, yeah, the Boneyard match, this one and, and Firefly's up there just because it was entertaining. Like I was. I probably was most amused as far as like actually breaking out in in audible laughter by the Firefly Funhouse. I think that got the most legit laughs out of me. But this one was a close second on that. Uh, But man, there was was so many memorable portions of this. We can't possibly break it all down. So we just kind of wanted to talk about what our favorite moments are. Uh, For me, it was what went down in the bar with Hangman Page and Jake Hager. Uh, And then, uh, you know, Kenny comes into at the end. I just thought that the way that Adam Page, (laughs) it was insane the way he backflipped off the bar with that little overhang above him, too. That was incredibly impressive. And just the whole thing was just entertaining with the way they started out drinking at the bar, then they fight. Then at the end, you got Adam Page making a drink for Kenny. Uh, so, So much of that was great. Of course, dragging him a la John Wayne down the bar. I I love that. If I had to pick out one portion of the match that I liked the most, it was that. You know, closely followed by Chris Jericho's comedy. I think you make the argument Chris Jericho is like the funniest guy in the history of pro wrestling, and he really shined through uh, in that regard in this match. I thought, you know, asking for the. Asking for the official review, and they go under the hood. and That, that was hilarious. That was, I laughed yeah, at yeah. that. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That's the kind of thing that
0: WWE wants to do and never succeeds at.
1: Yes. They they just don't really – they can't read their audience as far as what actually is funny most of the time. Now you look yeah. at what Wyatt and Cena did. That was <laughs> funny. But a lot of times their jokes like really fall flat. AEW is much better in that regard. Yeah. Or, or I feel Stephanie McMahon would have walked out when Jericho did that and said, Chris, this is
0: wrestling, not football why would you do that
1: yeah (laughs) or the you know like you look at money in the bank and the guest appearances that came in that really weren't funny at all like the bruce pritchard moment and whatnot confusing their audience who had no no idea you know who he was this was this was much better justin what what were the kind of the highlights for you
2: um i would say the the big highlight for me uh and i'm going to circle back around to it but it was probably uh Sammy Guevara is just fantastic. Yes. Every, everything he did in the match was great. That, you know, the the Northern Lights suplex stuff, the uh, bringing back the golf cart was hilarious. Um, and then my other, so I had, I would have two criticisms for the match. And that was for me. And I know at least Kyle doesn't feel this way. I thought it felt a little long at the beginning. Um, the brawling got a little old to me, but I, you know, and part of me realizes you kind of got to, use that to build up to the other stuff. Um and then I mean, is all Matt Hardy's gimmick gonna be is just changing gimmicks mid-match? Um he just did it two weeks ago and so that that part didn't really uh do anything for me except for what was probably my favorite part of the match is uh Ortiz saying I can't swim, and then using the little ladder to climb into the pool. I thought was hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah, Santana and Ortiz are really funny too. They're they're right up there with Jericho as far as their timing goes on their jokes. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I can I can see those criticisms for sure. Uh, I will say I did notice a lot of conversation about Hardy though when he did that version one thing. People in my timeline were loving that. But I kind of agree with you like that needs to be a short term thing and not uh, completely his gimmick moving forward. Kyle,
0: I have not been a huge Matt Hardy fan since he moved to AEW, to be quite blunt. I don't think the character has worked so well. That's me personally. I just I think the promos, I just, you know, a lot of people say, oh, WWE didn't do it right. And maybe they didn't. But I think part of it is also that character. We're past the 1459
1: mark with it. Yeah, I think, he, I mean, he's been hurt by not having a crowd too big time. We talked about on the yeah. show at the time, uh, yeah, you but know, but when he first appeared, sure. that would have been a yeah. huge moment with that a that would have been huge. But I just think sometimes that character character can have
0: the law of diminishing returns. Uh, very glad Justin brought up Sammy Guevara. That's someone I really liked, too, in this match. This guy is one of my favorites in the entire professional wrestling industry right now. Just not just the Northern Lights suplex, uh, which Justin mentioned, but the horse bit where he's running away from the horse. That was awesome. The finish was crazy. I mean, just the way this guy bumps mm-hmm. on just, you know, regular moves is just unbelievable. This guy is just one of my favorites to watch, not just in AEW, uh, but in the entire industry.
1: Yeah, no, I I would be hard-pressed to disagree with you there. I think the finish of the match, too, is what sets us apart from, like, Money in the Bank you know as far as how those matches ended with the uh the Elias interference and, and the briefcase getting tossed down and whatnot, this was much more memorable with the uh one winged angel dropping god, I don't know, 15 20 feet. It was an insane bump. I mean, obviously, it was cushioned and everything, but still, like, it was crazy to watch and to see the replays of later on. So, it was an exclamation point, not a question mark, exactly. Yeah, so great finish, very memorable match. Um, anything else on that that you guys wanted to say that we didn't cover just storyline wise, Adam
0: page spending so much of the match away. Do we think that's going to be something that teases tension within the elite moving forward? Is that why they did that? Or was there something, was there a reason why he was not really interacting with the body of the match so much?
2: I think so. Definitely. Um, I think they've been portraying him as kind of the, Lone Wolf. I mean, at the end of the last Dynamite episode, uh, you had all the elites standing there at the goalpost in the end zone, uh, while he just, you know, walked away. Um, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see what it's building to, but uh, I think that's very, very intentional storytelling.
1: Yeah, long-term booking, right? As we often talk about, I and mean, this has been that tension building now for for months and months. I think there was kind of an aspect too that he just kind of felt the whole thing was a little silly. I don't know, and then he went to the bar instead, which led to, as I said, a pretty memorable segment in the match itself. But I do like the long-term selling they're doing with Paige, and uh, I will say I hope we get the payoff and there's fans there because at Revolution, their last pay-per-view with the crowd, dude was super over. And when there was those teases that he was going to turn on Kenny in the match, that crowd in Chicago was going nuts. So when it actually does happen – it's going to be a great moment if, if a crowd is there, and so hopefully they can keep this long-term going and, until we get to that point, which none of and us that's know. And
0: inter- uh, so that's an interesting discussion to be had probably on a different podcast. Where should they go? Mm-hmm. Because as I've said the best, I think there's a fairly strong argument that Adam Page should
1: not turn heel. No, I think, I think he's going to get cheered regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would agree. Um, guys, you know who else was on this show? Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson making his (laughs) pro wrestling return, uh, which is you look at the history of Mike Tyson and pro wrestling. We know that he was a fan growing up and that he's always liked it. God, you can go way back to like 1990 when he was supposed to appear on that Saturday Night's Main Event with Savage and Hogan and then he lost to Buster Douglas and they had to change that on a whim and they got Buster Douglas in there which is pretty amazing Kyle you, t- you guys talked about that on your uh, 1990 podcast you've been doing over with Liam O'Rourke on Squared Circle Gazette um mm-hmm. that was that was the that was the first time I think that Tyson was going to be involved in wrestling at least on a major level and then of course in 98 when he came in for wrestlemania that's one of the most iconic moments of that period in time wwf got so much mainstream publicity out of mike tyson appearing here a little more under the radar you know and and then of course (laughs) no crowd either and uh, there was some interesting moments with tyson getting caught yawning during the match between cody and lance archer which everyone was having a field day with but i mean having him there was was still pretty cool uh Presenting Cody with the uh, TNT chant. By the way, <laughs> he looked pretty awkward holding that belt. And he? he didn't, he kind of looked like he didn't know what he was doing as he carried the belt to the ring.
0: It felt like whenever he
1: cheered, someone was in his headpiece. Like,
0: <laughs> cheer, cheer. Cause like they, it felt almost like they were overreacting to him getting caught yawning. And I don't even know if he had someone in his earpiece or not, but it just felt he, it didn't feel very organic. Yes. Him in the match. And it was just another thing. For the cameraman to have to show, too. You've got this well built match between Cody and Lance Archer. And then you got like Arn Anderson on the outside, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Mike Tyson. So if you're the camera guy, you're probably really It's like, oh, God, I've got to show all these reactions. And yeah, Mike's just didn't ever look very organic.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we're going to touch on this match next with Cody and Lance Archer, which I really, really enjoyed this match. But before we get to that, we do have to mention our good friends over at Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament. You can enter for free. So as we get to this TNT championship match, let's just, you know, what are your initial thoughts? Did you enjoy the match? Did you have any problem with who went over here? Because I did see some people kind of divided on on Cody winning this match. Uh, Justin, do you think Cody winning the match was the uh, correct call? You know, I, I really do.
2: I They're doing a good job building Archer up, but I, I'd never, he still didn't feel uh, like a big enough deal to go over here. And not only that, but storyline wise, like if you have Cody lose after like all the crap that Lance and Jake have been putting uh, uh Brandy and, and Dustin through, I, that would have been a little weird. Um, so yeah, I'm totally fine with it. Um, it is, you know, I don't know. I guess it's just wrestling fandom where I, I've been off Twitter a lot. I hopped on after the show just to get it, get a feel for what people were thinking. And, and a lot of it was like, all oh, the heels got buried, especially Lance Archer. It's like, you know, stories keep going. This isn't going to be the last show. If they're good enough talent, they can get their heat back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all that stuff is
0: a little <laughs> overblown. Yeah, well, yeah, I think Glenn Gilberty was just mad that uh, there was an Alex Wright shout out on the show and not one for him. <laughs> the, Alex Wright, the more talented member of the Boogie Knights. I might add. Glenn Gilberty, look, okay, you talk about a rant. This guy stinks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> his takes are
0: real bad. Like, yeah, Jim Ross kind of really put him in his place. It's like, what are you talking? You kind of, like, said exactly what Justin just said. It's like, these guys can get their heat back. And it's funny. I think we're so conditioned to shows where, where you don't have the majority of baby faces going over, which I've always thought is a problem in the 21st century. It can be traced back to a certain individual coming into power. Maybe he has a relationship with someone in the McMahon family. I don't want to mention any names.
2: <laughs> Macho Man?
0: <laughs> but, oh, do, 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 do. but um, you know, it it used to be that used to be the way it was. You build heels up to feed them to your top baby faces. And Cody is the top baby face in this company, in my opinion. Yeah. At least he's positioned as such. Now, I will say there was an argument to have Lance Archer go over here still. Um, and what's interesting is unlike The majority of WWE matches where, you know, we do these previews, these pay-per-views, and and we're like, well, who should go over? And it's like kind of tough to get excited about either option, (laughs) which is terrible. That's like a sign of horrible booking if you can't get enthused about either side winning and what could come of it. This was a deal, complete opposite, where you can see why uh, the promotion would put either guy over. And that's a sign of good booking. I, I love the way they built Lance Archer up leading the show. He, the match with Dustin, that finish turned me on, you know, when they tease the, <laughs> they tease the towel getting thrown in and he just put the claw and just rams his head in the ground and they just stopped it. That's a good finish. So they did it. I think the only thing now to watch, and it speaks to it, Justin and, and Jim Ross was saying to Glenn Gilberty on Twitter, you know, how do you get Lance Archer's? heat back. I, I don't think it's over for him. I have enough confidence in this company that they'll find something interesting for him to do. Yeah, But, you know, I, I think with Cody going over, the deal is, well, and Justin alluded to this, if he doesn't win this title, okay, here's a guy who's positioned as your top babyface, and he's failed in two title situations, he's not allowed to challenge for the one, that's not how you want to book a top babyface.
1: I think Bingo. I think you hit it right there on the head. I think that anytime Cody wins a big match, there's going to be people coming out saying, oh, he's just like Triple H, you know, because he because of his uh, position of power and everything. And but, you know, he legitimately is, as you guys said, like potentially the most popular guy in the roster, if not the most popular right up there. And They easily could have booked him as the first world champion and it would have made sense, but they didn't do that. You know, like you said, Kyle, he doesn't have the right to challenge for that title right now. So I felt like he kind of had to go over here. I mean, it it makes sense for him to win the title. I think that they uh, protected Lance Archer in the way that the finish happened, you know, Mm because you can look at Arn crotching him on the top rope. And then what happened with Arn and Jake getting thrown out and there was the distraction and everything. And then Jake comes back out. And uh, Mike Tyson gets involved, right? Heads off Jake on the ramp, and then you get the crossroads finish. I think they built up Lance Archer very well, but I think I think that they protected him because of what was going on on the outside that you can kind of give him the benefit of the doubt of, you know, he's still strong, and if if you're looking at this like it was a real-life situation, you know, you could say that, you know, maybe he would have won, but all of that cost him the match. So I don't think he's hurt too much, but I do think Cody winning was the right decision, and and I'm glad that they went with that. And let's not forget, Cody put
0: MJF over at the last pay-per-view. Yeah. And he lost to Jericho at the one before that. So Mm -hmm. it's not like, you know, he wins every pay-per-view or every week, for that matter. Because, you know, Justin said it. Largely, the build-up for this match was Archer looking dominant and getting heat on Cody. They did this stuff with Brandy, and Archer would get the best of Cody in most situations. So, you know, again, that keeps fans engaged when the guys they root for wind up winning in the end. A very simple concept, I know, but one that uh, the largest promotion in the world, I think, has forgotten about.
1: Mm-hmm. I think. I think the same. You could kind of have a similar uh, discussion here with what happened in the John Moxley Brody Lee match because. I had a decent amount of people that I was seeing on my Twitter timeline that wanted Brody Lee to win this match. And I think that that would have been a very wrong decision. Very wrong decision. I mean, Brody Lee is not in the situation to be world champion right now as far as, you know, the kind of momentum that he has. Uh, Or his pants. Or his... (laughs) Or his outfit that rivaled the Shawn Michaels Survivor Series 2002 for worst pay per view tights. Yeah, wow, that's strong <laughs> words coming from you. You guys know if you've been listening to this podcast a long time. I hated those tights Shawn wore in 2002, but man, yeah, I was not a fan of the outfit he was wearing last night, Brody Lee. I like the guy as a performer a lot. I don't really buy him as a world champion right now. Uh, John Moxley is incredibly popular. You know, I'll go back to Revolution huge pop when he won the world title there you guys probably saw like afterwards all the bonus footage they posted with him talking to the crowd in Chicago and stuff that was a huge moment and I just can't imagine why you would take the world title off of him here so I I could definitely not make any kind of argument to put the title on Brody Lee but at the same time I think he was protected in his in his loss wouldn't you guys say like I mean he passed out Justin it, I it's not protected. He was elevated. Yeah. Like you said, coming into this match, there's no way.
2: I don't think you can make an argument where he should have won. He just, he, he didn't have, um, you know, the, 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 I don't know, the, the backing or he just didn't feel like a big the character hasn't worked. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, he doesn't feel like a big deal, but, and I'll say as far as just straight up matches go, this was my favorite of the night. And the biggest reason is because both of these guys came out feeling like much bigger deals than when they went in. I mean, they really elevated it a long ways. And coming out of it, I think Brody is now, you know, a better contender for the world title. If they have some sort of rematch, you know, it, there's going to be a feeling that he could actually win it. Whereas you didn't get that feeling uh, in this match.
1: Mm-hmm. No, Yeah, I agree. Uh, Kyle? Yeah, I personally did not think he
0: had any chance of winning this match, and I don't think there was any justification for it either. Um, so in that sense, this match over-delivered because I enjoyed it because it had it was working against that. It was working against the fact that Brody Lee character I don't think has clicked so far in AEW all that well. And let's not forget, this was not the original plan for the world title match on this show. It was going to be Moxley-MJF, and they had to make a right turn because they couldn't get MJF you know, because of the, because of the situation, the pandemic, they couldn't get him on TV enough yeah. Yet early on. If you go back to, I think it was the last show that they did in front of an audience. MJF clearly teased that he was going after Moxley in the title at double or nothing. Mm-hmm. And they kind of had to call, call this quick U-turn or right to whatever you want to call it. So I loved the finish. I think it was a good match. Uh, another thing, a stigma they had working against him is, you know, it could have, been perceived as like a smackdown main event these are two (laughs) former wwe guys uh but it didn't it felt like a lot bigger deal than had they wrestled in wwe so kudos to them over delivered uh i do think and i assume you guys would agree although this is the world title match the stadium stampede had to go at last correct oh yes Yes. Okay. okay
1: Yeah. So if you guys didn't see it, um, basically what happened uh, at the at the end, Moxley gave Lee the paradigm shift through the entrance ramp, which was a really cool looking spot. Uh, They come back into the ring. Moxley hits another paradigm shift and Lee kicks out at one. So you talk about making a guy look strong. Mm -hmm. You know, there you go. Moxley goes after him with a bunch of elbows, hits another paradigm shift two count. At that point, Moxley put on the uh, bulldog choke, put it into a rear naked choke hold, and Lee's arm dropped. He passed out. That was the end of the match. So, yeah, I agree with Justin. This is almost like your uh, your WrestleMania 13 Steve Austin coming out, even though he lost, like looking incredibly Oops. tough. Right? No, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's as <laughs> big okay. of a moment <laughs> as that. That's strong. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I guess the industry's about ready to change. No, you uh, know, know what I mean? That's like not... <laughs> in theory, that's, that's the idea in theory, is that the guy didn't give up, Right, he didn't get pinned, but he comes out in in a loss because the referee stopped the match, but he looks stronger to, to he Justin's just needs, point.
2: Just needs to get his gear situation worked out. Yes. He could be a big deal.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think we should talk about the other uh big title match, and that was the women's title match. All right. And uh Nyla Rose, who has had the title for some time now. She's she's been champion for quite a while. Hundred plus days, uh, I believe they said. Yeah. So, Sheeta won the women's title in a match that I thought was very, 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 very good. Like, if you look at Revolution in comparison to the last pay per view, Nyla had a, a terrible match, right? That was the worst match on Revolution with uh, Statlander. This one here, great match. Enjoyed it all the way to the finish. Was really, really happy with Sheeta walking out champion. I just feel like overall she's just a better all-around performer right now. It makes sense to have the title on her. I do think Nyla Rose is is good at what she does, but she's still growing as a performer whereas Sheeta is more of a kind of a finished product. So I think that this was this was the right move and it was really a, a feel good moment given uh what had happened over the previous twenty four hours, Justin.
2: Yeah, you know it's funny. Um I'd say that you know probably AEW's two biggest flaws Uh, Since their inception, has been kind of the women's division in general and Jr. (laughs) But actually, you know, and even going back to last year's Double or Nothing, in that women's six uh, six women match, it she didn't wrestle much, but she'd have felt like the biggest deal, or she felt like she was going to be the future of it. So I, I think it's a really good decision. Ah, uh, to take the title off of Rose here and uh, give Sheeta a run with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was my favorite match on the show. Wow, and I liked the way it was worked. It was you know a very old school David versus Goliath deal, babyface being David, heel being Goliath. But with the finish, it wasn't a banana peel finish like you get a lot in these situations. Again, not to pile on, but look. We, we gotta compare them to WWE, and WWE a lot of times when the underdog babyface goes over, it's kind of a banana peel finish, right? Where they do it in a way, well, you know, they weren't better; they just got a little lucky. This was not that. By the end of this match, you felt Sheeta deserved to be the champion, mm-hmm. and you were rooting for her. Um, I'm not big on these record, this record keeping that AEW does at all. Yeah. I think it's generally pretty worthless. Yeah, but. The first instance of it really working to me was the build of this match. And you could argue that, you know, compared to most of the other things on this show, this build wasn't as strong. But, you know, Tony Schiavone in particular really harped on Sheeta's record. I think it's like 10 and 1, 11 and 1, or something like that. And like how that's really important for her. She's this kind of red hot contender. So she very much felt like when the match was over, hey, this is a really strong women's champion, which I'm not sure. The promotion has had yet uh i think you can do rematches around the horn because the aew's women's division moving forward is kind of an interesting place a lot of the because of travel restrictions a lot of folks can't come in and work then you have the brit baker injury which is terrible but thankfully it looks like six to eight weeks instead of six to eight months yeah i trust aew is going to make good use of her still even while she's on the shelf So, um, yeah, overall, I I thought this was just absolutely tremendous. And even for Nyla Rose, give her credit for the Passenger 57 reference. I was in tears.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a great moment. So, yeah, we all agree then. Right move. Very happy to see it. We've been talking about how this was kind of a babyface-heavy show, but there was one person on the heel side to get get a big win, in which I thought this was a really good match, too. But it was MJF defeating Jungle Boy, and the big talk about this one as it was ongoing was it was a very kind of old school feeling match, a very uh a lot of striking, very physical match. Uh and you know Jungle Boy is someone that people talked about coming in as as this developing star and perhaps he still will be, but I did feel like he had to put MJF over here and so it was good to see him get the victory and and I enjoyed it just for the kind of the old school feel to it. Justin. Yeah, um,
2: I'd say it's probably
1: I think Jungle
2: Boy's probably best singles match. Uh, and and I really, I loved the finish with the, the roll up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kyle, I thought you might actually list this one as maybe your favorite match of the night. I actually don't
0: know if I liked this one better than the match they had on Dynamite. And that's not a slight against this match. That's more or less how much I enjoyed that match they had on Dynamite Mm. uh, several months ago. They were both very close. It's not something where I'm going to, you know, berate anyone or anything if they prefer one or the other. Um, I just think they have good chemistry. And it's funny that we talk about these two having an old school match, isn't it? Mm. Like their combined age. Is like my age, <laughs> basically, right? I mean, these guys are—we have like these two young guys, like what are they, twenty-three and twenty-two or something? Yeah, and you know, combine this a little lower than me, but whatever. You get the point. And they're having an old-school pro wrestling match. MJF going over with a heel finish is fine. I know, you know, roll-up finishes can often be overdone by all promotions, not just WWE. But you know, it—if you're going to get a guy over as a heel. It does work as long as you don't overdo it. And like I said earlier, MJF is someone I think they clearly do want in the title picture eventually. Probably when you could get more of a crowd back. I mean, I think they're playing that by ear, obviously, because we don't know when that is. Um, So, yeah, I I, I was not surprised that he went over. I know that some people thought, eh, maybe you pull the trigger with Jungle Boy here. (laughs) I still think you're going to have interaction because it looked like they've been teasing Luchasaurus and Wardlow on TV. So I could see some tags taken place in that direction maybe jungle boy can get some retribution
1: down the road in that environment but uh, yeah i liked it yeah so i only have a couple of criticisms of this show which is going to lead into this next one and the first thing is the big like show long recap that they showed before the main event that seemed to drag on you know if you, if you want to talk about where they could have cut some time that it was there, you know. If you're watching the pay per view, you probably don't need to see a several minutes long uh, recap of the show. <laughs> you know, it's like, geez, guys, I know I'm doing bong rips, but I
0: can't. You know, my memory <laughs> does go back far three hours. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so I didn't. That that was, you know, one of the few negatives of the show. And then I also thought that the latter match that opened the the pay per view proper was a little bit too long. It seemed to kind of drag. Uh, but it did have a big moment with Brian Cage getting the uh, surprise debut and actually winning the match. So uh, Cage is going to challenge, I believe, at Fighter Fest. Is that, if I'm not mistaken, right? He's gonna, yeah, yeah he will challenge Moxley at Fighter Fest, which we don't know exactly when that's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be in Jacksonville, though. They they talked about in the press scrum afterwards how that was originally going to be in London, but obviously they had to change plans. Uh, the match was pretty like. It was laid out okay. besides the fact that it was it was so long, but like it did have some pretty cool spots in it. I would say that Brian Cage, if if I knew going in, he was in the match, he would have been like third or fourth on my list of who I'd like to see win the match. But since he was a surprise and that that was portrayed as such a big moment, I kind of feel like he had to win, you know, but there's other guys here I think I would have rather seen get the victory, but it it makes sense logically for him to go over here. Um, Justin, what did you think of this one?
2: I I absolutely loved the Orange Cassidy comedy bit. That, <laughs> yes, that's great. Really, yeah, that stuff killed me. Um, but it didn't really have a strong attachment to really anything else. Um, I don't have history with uh, Brian Cage. I never really watched TNA Impact Wrestling, if you will, uh, or uh, Lucha Underground. So I I'm excited to see him
1: going forward. Mm-hmm. Mr. Ross,
0: it's a good way to build up a new challenger to have him debut and win look impressive. Um, I don't know how everyone feels about him being the surprise. You know, I know there were, that was not something that was mentioned a lot. You know, I, I heard, you know, there were obviously people speculating, could this be Zach Ryder? Could it be Chris Daniels? And he turns um, on one of the members of SCU. Those were two things I saw
1: speculated on. Zach Ryder couldn't have appeared on the show. Well, a
0: guy's Yeah, that's oh, that's true. But hey, some people still, you know, have you know bad takes. I guess whatever. <laughs> so I'm just telling you what I
1: read. Man, yeah, you know. Yeah.
0: So that that's a good point. So yeah, those people were informed. So I, I don't know. I guess how you feel about this match is kind of dependent on how you feel about Brian Cage moving forward. I think there is a lot of an unknown factor, like Justin said. Something you said though. Uh, Ryan, I think, needs to be expounded on in terms of the pecking order of who you'd like to see win, who you think might win, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Something just in the build to this match that I thought was vastly superior to most multi-person matches in WWE, including the recent Money in the Bank, is you could make an argument for multiple people to win, actually. Remember when we were previewing the men's money in the bank match and we're like, does it even make sense for any of these people to win? Yeah. <laughs> none of them have built up well. I mean, that's like sad. You have like six people in a match and none of them have built up well. Here, you have like four or five guys that you could make an argument for and that you enjoy their work. And you, you know, it's like, hey, I'd like to see this guy win because. Yeah. So, you know, that I think was one of the positives of this match. The negative is kind of. Logistically, how it could have ended before everyone came out. Yeah, you know, I Mm. I don't know if I. They may want to rethink that.
1: Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. That's kind of a weird deal. Like what
0: if, like what if it ended like before six? The people came out. Like, (laughs) uh, okay, Brian Cage walks out and
1: shrugs and walks away.
0: Hey, I was here to debut. What the hell happened? (laughs) Well, the the match is over. Brian's talking.
1: Yeah, you know, I gotta say. it,
2: could make for an interesting finish if they they use yeah, that. They could actually
0: do it, yeah. <laughs> if they actually did it, it would be weird, and it would be weird. Like, how would the crowd react to that?
2: Well, that could really get some heat on somebody if they oh. use it properly. Yeah. If you have a heel do it, like right before a, a big baby <laughs> yeah, face comes out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, if you know, if they have a creative idea, like anything else, if done properly, it's good. If not done properly, it's you know. WWE.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you could do it in a way where the people that didn't get in the match would be someone that's like slotted lower on the card. And you use that to kind of get them some heat, you know, coming out because they're pissed. If it was someone that you really wanted to see in the match, like the crowd would be pissed, right? But if it was someone yeah. like, you know, no, no offense, but if it was someone like a Frankie Kazarian, they probably wouldn't care as much. But then you could use that finish to elevate Frankie Kazarian a little bit. Mm-hmm but it could be interesting, I think. Yeah, go ahead,
0: Kyle. At one point. This is not about the casino ladder match at all. It's just about AEW in yeah. general.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What did we think about the fact that so many in the wrestling media that were privy to what had happened at the Stadium Stampede were, like, hyping it during the day? That's like a little odd. I saw, yeah. yeah, I saw... Uh, PW Insider do it. I saw Meltzer do it on Twitter. I saw Brian Alvarez do it on Twitter. You know, and I saw somebody's like, oh, what are Meltzer and Alvarez, the new Barker channel here or something? You know, <laughs> that they're the, trying to get those late buys. Like, yeah. I, I get what they're saying. They're reporting something. But it kind of puts AEW as a promotion in a tough spot because if the match fails and thankfully it didn't, then I think the reporter looks bad. Yeah. But and this uh-huh. it was it was enjoyable, so it was okay. So I I just think it was kind of interesting that you saw that from people. Oh hey, hearing this spring st- or the stadium
1: stampede was really good. Yeah, because you're walking that fine line between news and like looking like you're shilling for the company, kind of. Yeah, I, I I agree with what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It it is, yeah. Like they are reporting news, but it yeah, it does kind of come across like you're trying to get those last minute buys a little well, like, bit. I could see that. True,
0: like, let's say, I mean, again, a pre-tape match should never be horrible, <laughs> Jordan. What are you thinking? But <laughs> like, like if it was, if it was bad or it was nondescript or they weren't feeling great about the finished product, do they say anything? And I'm not trying to pile on anybody. I'm just bring. I, I thought it was very interesting. As soon as I saw that tweet, I was like, "Well, that's interesting."
1: I think they oversold it a little bit, to be honest. Like I enjoyed it, but they were going on. Like some some of the comments I read uh, was like it was so 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 good, and I I don't know oh, it was which, so creative we, we, was going to change the history. Yeah, you know, that's it, a little much. Yeah,
0: there was an issue. What was it? A few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, with that John Moxley Jake Hager empty arena match. You know, I think Tony Khan himself. And it was parroted by a lot in the wrestling media. Oh, this match is great. This match is great. And I don't know about you guys. I was kind of struggling to stay awake. <laughs> yeah. That one did not deliver either. I would agree. But, yeah. Overall, you know, AEW, you know, we talked about this week that the wrestling community had. Uh, there was just some horrible tragedies over the last seven days. Um, it, it was nice to see AEW giving a respite from that. And also, you know, kind of bouncing back from what was sort of a disastrous go-home Dynamite, where two people get hurt.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, because we've been vocal about Dynamite, you know, being a pretty good show still during the pandemic. But, yeah, this, this last week's was uh, not not the best and some bad luck overall, too. So, yeah, I think they came through after they followed what was a disappointing show and put on a, a really good, creative, and satisfying show for us on Saturday night. So, Yeah, I mean, we didn't hit on every match. Is there anything else we didn't discuss that we wanted to hit on before we take this home? Do we do want to just maybe touch on really quickly the the substitute situation where Statlander took on Penelope Ford subbing for Britt Baker? I thought that that was a pretty good match. Uh Statlander, I think redeeming herself a little bit I mentioned earlier, her match with Nyla Rose at Revolution left a little bit to be desired, but I thought she came out and was pretty solid in this one on, you know, minimal preparation with Penelope Ford and I think both women stepped in and did did a nice job. It was it was a solid match. Did you guys have anything you wanted to say on that one? The fact
0: I enjoyed it some um, was a positive because I was really bummed about this Britt Baker injury when that happened. I mean, her character work has just been second to none over these last several weeks. You know, I'm binging through these episodes of Dynamite and I'm like, this is just a phenomenal character. I mean, those vignettes, pre-tapes, whatever you want to call them. Where she's, you know, talking about being a role model, and I know some people want to compare it to Bailey. You know, I know you recently had a run-in with a WWE apologist on Twitter, Ryan. Maybe oh, you like to talk about that, no. but <laughs> it is so entertaining, like the stuff that they did at the dentist office. And again, I said this earlier in the program, and this is just the difference right now between AEW and WWE. How I view them. I'm actually confident that AEW is going to find a way to keep Britt Baker relevant and in the mix while injured. If this was WWE, I'd just be like, oh, my God, she's going to be forgotten. They're not going to talk about her all, all momentum lost, and she's going to be starting over from scratch. Mm -hmm. You know, WWE apologists need to learn this. that WWE has lost
1: the benefit of the doubt over the last 20 years.
0: They just have. And if you don't like that, too bad. You're wrong. (laughs)
1: If you want to see my run-in with a WWE apologist, check my Twitter feed. There was uh, something pretty entertaining during look, the show look, last Ryan, night. If,
0: if there is one takeaway from the four years I've known you, it's that you just want Vince McMahon to fail.
1: Oh. Okay? <laughs>
0: that, that, you, know, what, you know, my wife often asks me, you know, tell me about Ryan, you know, what, what is he like? I'm like, you know, honey, I don't really know. He, he just wants Vince McMahon to fail. <laughs>
1: That was what the guy told me after yes. I, I basically was making a point to um, compare WWE and AEW kind of how I started out the show and on how AEW succeeding with this production style they've been doing in the empty arena. And uh, this random guy commented that I just wa- I just had it out for Vince McMahon or something that I just wanted him to fail. And I went to the guy's page and like his bio was just like WWE hashtag after WWE hashtag like Raw Smackdown WrestleMania. And I was like. Oh, okay. Makes sense yeah, why he said that. Backlash.
0: My God. I mean, yeah. you talk
1: about being in a
0: tank. My God. I mean, Seriously. Backlash. <laughs> I'm not good enough to work backlash. Uh, <laughs> Mount Mount Rushmore of Ryan Jarosi's personality. Proud Iowan wants Vince McMahon to fail. Justin, <laughs> you can pull me in on the other two.
1: Beer and Elvis. Okay, there you he- oh. <laughs> go. Oh, speaking of that, I got to promote this. I forgot. I did a I did a podcast the other day. Before we take this home, check out if you're interested in uh, wrestling history at all. We had a show that we did with Derek Chappelle talking Memphis wrestling history couple weeks back on our patreon page but uh i did the tcb cast which is an elvis presley podcast and the whole topic was his connections to pro wrestling and it was uh something i don't think a lot of people have talked too much about a lot of new information and uh we had a really good discussion on that all right so that was aew double or nothing let us know your thoughts uh you can hit us up at Nation at gmail.com of course all the social media pages as well we're at top rope nation on twitter and instagram you can find All of us on Twitter as well. I am at Ryan Droste, D-R-O-S-T-E. Kyle, where can they find you?
0: At TRP Kyle on Twitter.com.
1: At Justin Joint, I believe. Yes, there you go. So uh, yeah, let us know what you thought. Check the archives if you've missed any of our recent shows because we are putting out two shows a week now. Usually one of those is kind of historically focused. And uh, we had a really good discussion, I think, on the legacy of Owen Hart on our last broadcast. Check the podcast feeds. You can listen to that one. A, A really, really good discussion, I thought. So with that being said, hope you guys have a good week and you can find us Thursday morning with the next episode. Take care.